0: Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, You can subscribe at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, The other thing you can do is keep an eye out for uh, Texas Basketball Magazine, Go to com. You can read my cover story on Lauren Cox there, and uh, the reason that I bring that up is we have the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Text Basketball here too, Ishmael Johnson.
1: Yo, what's up, man? We got our copies in the office on Friday. I know you haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but oh man, so far, I didn't even know are, that. Yeah, so far things are looking uh, really good.
0: Man, man, okay, maybe I maybe I might just have to stop by the office. I'm going to visit my parents in Coppell today, so maybe I'll just have there to go, go pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: think there's, I think we pull one on your desk, so there you go.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Hey. Well that's exciting, man. My second cover story uh while at Dave Campbell's. There's there's nothing better than being in print, man. Like yeah, I know exactly. that no, tr- I, I, I know agree. that our uh our outlet is now very much online because that's what media is and that's yeah. what media should be because it's easy. <laughs> but but man, there is something about seeing your your article in print that's that's just special.
1: 100 percent No, I agree. There's nothing I, I don't know. You can't replicate that feeling. I mean, all these things, all these same articles are going to be online, but I don't know. There's just some really, something really cool about the, yeah. uh, just the magazine or the, or whether it's a newspaper, magazine, or whatever.
0: Yeah, no, no question. But anyway, that's not why we're here. Uh, week eight is in the books. Um, we're going to go through the college power poll now, starting uh, with, unfortunately, we have a new team at the bottom. Can you yeah. guess who
1: it is? Um. I'm going to guess it's the 0-7 Rice Owls.
0: There's no excuses left, man. Yep. Like, when you when you go 0-6 against the schedule that they did, I mean, they had probably the hardest non-conference schedule in America, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and I mean Power 5 or Group of 5, because yeah. they played Texas, they played Baylor, they played Wake Forest, and they played Army. Mm-hmm. Like, you got zero, not just zero respite, like zero even winnable games, yeah. you know? Because, like, Army was maybe your best shot, and Army obviously is better than rice mm-hmm. and then you open conference play with the defending champs uab and with louisiana tech who has a good who has a chance to win the conference this year so mm-hmm. like oh and six you are perfectly fine with, right yeah. like you don't feel good about it but you're perfectly fine with it but to go out and lose 31 27 to utsa yeah a team that looks like it might not have another win on the schedule that mm-hmm. might be already in the process of looking for a new coach
1: we, th- I we mean, thought this would be we thought this would be the game where frank wilson got fired yeah like we, yeah we thought that's, that where there U- chance. that's where utsa was and i mean i put it in the slack and i kind of put it on twitter too where it's like i can't stop i can't qualify rice anymore i can't say oh they're right. good but you know they're on seven but they're this but they're that you know it's like they're just they're on seven like oh seven is on seven um you know, we we can say that they looked improved on the field because they have. But They the end, absolutely have. you you have to produce and you have to get results. And right now it's looking like their only result or their only chance at a result is going to be against UTEP. Right.
0: Well, and, and even then, it's like, yeah, you know, like, that's, that's, that's what, not what the, the last guarantee. week of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. not a guarantee. Right.
1: So I don't know. I don't know how much, how much of this game you watched, but it was really frustrating to watch Rice not... I'm trying to figure out, like Rice, not be able to stop UTSA's one-dimensional offense when they needed to. Um, well, well and Lowell I, Narcisse I mentioned... was able to throw the ball, which is really frustrating to watch. If you were, if you were a Rice
0: fan, I bet. Right. I, I mentioned. uh I, I need to go back to stats and look exactly, but Lowell Narcisse had something like 260 passing yards through his first six games, yeah, and he had 212 passing yards against Rice alone, mm-hmm. and like, um. You know, we knew that the pass defense was going to be an issue at Rice. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of the weakness of that defense because the rush defense is pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, come on.
1: Well, let, let, let me, let, I'm going to show you their score. So they had, let's see, uh, they got the benefit of field position on their first touchdown. Um, I think they started at their own 40, UTSA, I mean. Um, yeah. And then looking at their other scoring drives. So they had a pick six, right, which obviously did not help. That was Rashad Wisdom, I believe, right. they had that. Um and then they had let me see in the fourth quarter to tie it up. Here's they. they started at the 25. Sincere McCormick goes for 30. Lowell Narcisse goes for 14. Sincere McCormick goes for six. And that was the touchdown. Um mm. they let's see, the next drive that, that gave them the lead. Uh let's see, Sincere McCormick goes for one, Sincere McCormick goes for thirty, Sincere McCormick go for goes for nine, uh Lowell Narcisse passed for three Lowell Narcisse passed for 12, and then he had an 8-yard touchdown pass. Like, they, right, they yeah. weren't able to stop the run when they needed to. The, you know, Sincere McCormick had a great game. Um, Ed Lowell Narcisse was able to run when he needed to. Like, it was just it was just a really frustrating day. Not even considering that UTSA was able to throw the ball, just because Rice wasn't able to stop the run when they needed to. And that right. allowed, well, that allowed and, and, Noel Narcisse to throw the ball.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned that Sincere McCormick had another good game. I mean... He's just a good player at this. Point. Yeah, no, you know, he's, like he's, he's, he's definitely legit. A yeah,
1: he's definitely one of UTSA's bright spots this season. Probably their only bright spot this season outside of the one game from Frank Harris. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have to start looking at him as a you know as a legitimate offensive weapon now for UTSA. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think that at this point, I mean, I don't know, like not not that necessarily he's one of the top best guys in the state, but sure. I mean, I think that. I mean, when, you, know, look, at, when you look when you look at from,
1: freshman performers this year, I mean, right. he's got to be what top five.
0: Yeah, for sure, yeah. and I mean, I think that when you look at when we're starting to look to next year for like preseason all Texas College, mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be in the conversation for for one of those teams. Sure. You know, what I mean, because sure. cause I think that he's been as good as anybody I think this season. I mean, you know, like like the guys that you kind of look at this season who have been really good are like Darius Anderson, mm-hmm. um, you know, Xavier Jones, obviously who's yes. also going to uh, leave, obviously, but like he's up there yeah. with any of them. Oh, no, for sure. And, like you
1: look at you look at, um, I mean, you know, the obvious. The obvious uh, counter to that is like, oh, look at, you know, Rashawn Johnson. But it's like their numbers aren't, con- you know, Rashawn, we like Rashawn Johnson, but like his numbers aren't, as yeah. be- aren't better. Like, since no, no, McCormick's no, numbers no. are better. And like, he's yeah. been doing this in an offense that's asking him to be the primary, you know, weapon as a freshman. And it's like, and, and I think f- he's having the season, oh, I'll let you finish, but like, I think he's having the season that we expected Deion Hankins to have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right, and uh no, no. I mean, I think it's a great point, actually. um And and look, I mean, I, I do think that you know, Roshan Johnson too is a guy that we love, mm-hmm. you know, and and is a guy who I think has also been really impressive. But sincere McCormick has taken the brunt of being the centerpiece of UTSA's offense, and mm-hmm. you know, they haven't been great, but they have been pretty notably better than last year on offense, mm-hmm. and really you look at it and i mean sincere mccormick is kind of the reason
1: mm-hmm. yeah he has 97 carries for five seven for 567 uh 5.8 or almost six yards a carry in this offense right that right is ridiculous he right. he's a star he's a, yeah so he's yeah. a star in the making
0: yeah yeah so so rice is at number 12 utsa is at number 10 right in the middle of them is utep 32 17 loss to fiu i don't think we need to get into that one too much uh they did show some signs i mean in this game, you actually kind of saw why the coaching staff likes Sky League. because sometimes oh, he can sure. just come in, make some big plays, and and you know just kind of keep things going. But mm. you know, I mean, Utah's offense still doesn't have a whole lot, yeah. uh, and and uh, you know, I mean, I am curious. Like, again, in the last four games of the year, I'd expect to see all those red shirts play, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they have a manageable schedule. not an easy schedule because there are no easy games at UTEP right now, but right. but a manageable schedule. So I'll be <laughs> curious to see when, when that happens. But we need to talk about this number eight team in the state. So since I've been doing this, and, and Texas State's number nine, they they stick at number nine after a bye week. But mm-hmm. um, since I've been doing this, there has been a clear bottom four in the state, right? Mm-hmm. It's been Texas State, UTSA, UTEP, Rice. And, like, I think that maybe at some point, uh, you know, maybe after one or two games, I had Rice up at, like, number eight at a time. And maybe I had, like, you know, one, at one point, maybe I had UTSA up a little higher. I don't know. But but basically, there's been a bottom four. Right. Houston might ruin that this year.
1: <sighs> Man. So,
0: Clayton Toon was out. <laughs> yeah. There's You know, their starting quarterback, who stepped in to replace derrick king obviously but the fact that at this point that houston thought that the best plan of attack was just to go into this game with logan holgerson as their only quarterback a fresh and preferred walk-on who also just happens to be the coach's son right like bryson smith was recruited as a quarterback to come to uh to come to houston why hasn't he taken more legit quarterback snaps i mean especially after the news
1: about derrick king passes it's like okay this guy needs to be taking third team reps,
0: right? Right. I just don't understand it, and I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that like Logan Holgerson is just horrific or anything like that, but I mean, you're Houston, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you like, should have a third scholarship quarterback ready to go, right? And I don't know, it's just unbelievable to me, and and it's just hard too to look at the situation because, and this dates back before Dana too, but like, I just don't understand their sort of their plan when it came to quarterbacks like I know that at one point they had Quinton Dormandy and that's kind of who they thought was going to be a backup for a little while there mm-hmm. but I mean I don't know like why didn't you take a single quarterback in this last class too right you know like a grad transfer a, a Juco guy like you can't tell me that you couldn't have found one more quarterback in the class and, and Logan
1: Hogerson does not count I don't care that
0: he's right. your Sunday. <laughs> you
1: know yeah um it, yeah I mean we we basically said um in discussing this game that like you, you should not have to watch this game and we meant yeah. it. Like, we meant it. UConn's not good, right? UConn's not a good team. They're not a good program right now. They're in a bad spot. Arguably, right. def- definitely, not even arguably, definitely in a worse spot than Houston. Houston, you know, they're they're oh, yeah. playing for the next few years. um, and, and they just got, I don't know, they couldn't move the ball. Or they, they barely yeah. could move the ball. And, like, the fact that it was this close as it was, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's not good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well... I mean, the the most damning thing that you say about this game is that UConn, they're not as bad as they were last year on defense, and and I will give them that credit. You know, they are now, instead of being the the worst defense of all time, they now rank number 98 in total defense. Cool. Uh, (laughs) But Houston, so UConn posted 438 yards of offense, and Houston posted 284 against UConn. Oh, man. Do I need to remind you who they play this upcoming week on Thursday?
1: Uh, arguably the hottest team in the country, yeah, definitely, definitely the SMU at the G
0: Mustangs, yeah, a team that could very well be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl in a couple of months. Yep, like yeah. and and Tune might be back. I mean, Toon went through warm ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, t- might have been a precaution on, on Saturday. I yeah, don't know. I mean, they probably felt like okay, maybe we can go get a win. Right. <laughs> you know, without him, uh, barely. They did. Barely.
1: they did, but barely.
0: Um, but, you know, it's just, even with Toon, I mean, I don't know. I just don't... <laughs> again, I don't think this Houston team is going to enter that bottom four. Yeah. But we have to think about it, mm-hmm. and that's the worst thing that you can say about this. And, and you know what? Another team, the, the number seven team on our list, that isn't quite going to enter that group, but sure looked horrific yesterday, is TCU. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This was what I called a prove-it game for them. This mm. is where I said, hey, you know what? I understand that you're not going to be you know, a top team in the conference. You're not competing for the conference. Uh, I think that we've reached the point now where we don't say that they have everything but the quarterback. They, they have a lot more issues than that, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They just don't have anything going on with that defensive line. It's kind of unbelievable, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But... Look, man, I mean, you had a chance to go on the road, and in my opinion, just looking at the schedule ahead, TCU needed this game For to sure. make a bowl game. And yeah, no, they did. And to go on the road against a Kansas State team that's still probably not very good, and to completely lay an offensive egg like that, I, I just, I can't defend it. I just can't defend it.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, I talked about how Max Duggan looked good in his last game, or not bad in his last game. You know, those promise, those promise showing. And granted, he showed an element that I did not know he had in this game, um, which is the ability (laughs) to run. Apparently, Um, (laughs) um, which was which was you know who knows I don't know if that's if that shows that there's an element to this offense that we don't know yet, but I I, I don't know. Like when they weren't able to run, when they weren't asked to run the ball okay, they still show that there's nothing there. Um, And it's not that Max Duggan couldn't complete passes, but he couldn't complete passes of, like, more than five yards. Right. (laughs) And they were – it was so, so conservative to the point where, you know, Kansas is like, oh, we just have to guard first down markers. Like, (laughs) we can just drop back. Cool, he can hit those hitch routes, those out routes, those underneath routes, and they're not doing anything. He had – he set up nothing – for his receivers to get yak, to get, you know, anything else. And it was basically like Jalen Rager, help us (laughs) do something. Do something
0: magical. Right. And and Rager, I mean, you're just not putting him in good spots. I mean, again, even at the end of last year, lining him up in the wildcat, getting him on jet sweeps. I talked about it last week. Like you just got to do something to get the ball in the hands of your best player. And honestly, they've kind of turned away from Darius Anderson too. Like I, I don't quite understand what's going on. I mean, again, I think that, we can all pretty much acknowledge that this is probably it for Sonny, uh, Sonny Cumbie. But, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I I didn't think it would go out like this. And, um, you know, I mentioned, I think they needed this game to make a bull, And here is why. Okay. This is their closing schedule. And I will, I'll preface, their last game is Black Friday against West Virginia at home. Okay. That's manageable, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's a game that they probably should win. Other than that. Versus number 15, Well, I'm not going to do the rankings because you know we'll figure out. But yeah. versus Texas at Oklahoma State, versus Baylor at Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Could they go zero and five in those games? They absolutely could.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll squint and say they definitely probably should beat Tech.
0: They're but, on the road though.
1: Yeah. No, that, that's me. That's-, that's me squinting, looking at the schedule, trying to squeeze something out of that. Well, I'll, I mean, give, them, I'll I, give them tech, but I'm not confident in giving them anybody else.
0: Having been around these programs for, obviously, several years at this point, yeah. I am confident that they'll beat Baylor because it's the <laughs> dumbest possible result. <laughs> but on paper, there's no reason that they should go more than, you know, one in four at best in these games. Yep. And... And that, that even assumes that they beat West Virginia, who might have things figured out a little bit more by the end of the year. hmm So, I don't know. TCU's in a bad spot. And the thing is, too, is, like, Gary Patterson doesn't usually have two bad seasons in a row. Right. And and actually, I mean, I'll, I'll say the same thing, uh, you know, not that it's a team that we're talking about right now, but about Mike Gundy. You know, Mike Gundy doesn't usually have two mediocre seasons in a row. Mm-hmm, that's true. Uh, and, and so... I think part of it is obviously that the rest of the conference is starting to catch up. You know, I mean, I think Kansas State's a little further along. Obviously, Iowa State being good, Baylor being really good this year, Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas being, I I don't want to say back, but, you know, top 25 caliber. Right. It's it's no
1: coincidence that, like, you know, when TCU was at its best was when Texas was at arguably at its worst. Right. And, you know, I think that. Just with the way that this state works, Mm
0: -hmm. um, you know, even recruiting wise, A&M, you know, kind of kind of uh, exploding like that. You know, I think I think just when you look at the state recruiting and talent wise, I mean, we always talk about how there's unlimited talent in the state of Texas. And to a large extent, that's true. But when, you know, when when there the five power five teams in Texas and obviously I think you count the Oklahoma schools kind of as part of that Mm -hmm. and even Arkansas recruiting wise, you know, or LSU too. Right. And, and LSU too. So like, you know, let's say that there are nine schools that we'd consider sort of Texas and Texas adjacent schools. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of those schools that struggled for a little while, you know, and, and Arkansas is struggling on the field and they probably will struggle in recruiting the next year or so, but mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're recruiting really well right now under Chad Morris and, you know, and Oklahoma is really locking down Texas again. Texas is locking down Texas again. A&M is locking down Texas again. So, and You know, so the reality with that is that when that happens, you know, some of the powers that I think have existed for a couple of years in the Big 12 are going to be the ones that suffer because, you know, and and I thought that that's why I thought that Matt Rule was stepping into a really bad situation at Baylor, because I thought that Baylor was obviously going to be one of those teams that took a step back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and I think that's even more credit to him that in, you know, in a Big 12 right now, that's got a lot of really good teams and a lot of teams trying to lock down Texas that they've managed to find their niche. Um, You know, but, but it is interesting because I think that Gary Patterson has won something like 87% of his games coming off of a losing season. And, <laughs> and last year wasn't a losing season. So he gets to grandfather in that stat because right. they won the cheese hit bowl. But, <laughs> uh but I mean, I'm, I'm serious. You know, they don't have two bad seasons in a row usually. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know i they'll have a new offensive coordinator they'll have a more experienced defensive line you know it, all that stuff but
1: i'm wondering for the you know, go, ahead, go ahead
0: yeah no 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 i mean just for the first time since you know since uh really since he's been here other than like that first stretch in the big 12 where they were figuring things out mm-hmm. uh it seems like tcu's foundation seems to have some cracks in it yeah
1: no i agree and you bring up i mean the point about recruiting is really good because Like, what's Gary Patterson always hinged his, you know, hung his cap on? It's those low four stars, upper three stars that he can develop and have for four years, right? Right. But now you have, I mean... You know, now you have Texas State recruiting a lot better. You have UTSA recruiting better. You have North Texas recruiting better. All of a sudden, like, true. Okay, like, you know, they're competing. They would always Texas and n m and all. They would let TCU get those three stars. But now, okay, those three stars have options. Like, oh, right. I I can go to North Texas. I can go to SMU. I can go to Texas State and UTSA and play immediately. You know, like, there's those 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 diamonds in the rough aren't necessarily just waiting for a, an offer anymore. Like there's so many right. programs going for those guys. You have the, you have the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, smaller Louisiana schools coming in, right? Yeah. Lafayette, you have or Tulane, you have those schools coming in and, and offering guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of the Texas and A&M and even Ohio state kind of coming in and getting those blue chip guys, has right. kind of forced everyone, okay, well, let's look to that next tier, because we're not going to get the top tier anymore. And, that, right. I mean, that's, I'm really curious to look at the long term of how that's going to affect, you know, the next, actually probably going back to two years ago, um, to f- uh, a five-year projection of what TCU's recruiting classes look looked like compared to the past.
0: Right. Well, and, and even then, and, and we'll close kind of on this with TCU, but, like, yeah. I think that the other thing that you look at, too, is... TCU used to also dominate in one particular area, and that was taking athletic, uh, you know, really mobile and aware safeties mm-hmm. and turning them into star linebackers. Yeah. And you look at <clears throat> what what the states and what the Big 12 Conference and what the surrounding states are doing, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of, <clears throat> of Texas and and Oklahoma, who can still get those big-bodied linebackers who can move, but, like, everybody else – they're all running with, you know, converted safety linebackers. Yep. Like, that's that's kind of just what everybody's doing.
1: These they days. found out you that that's I mean? the secret to the Big 12, is just having fast linebackers.
0: Right, right, and not not to talk too much about Baylor, but again, you know, Blake Lynch. Blake Lynch is mm-hmm. a guy who traditionally would have been a safety, and mm-hmm. now he's playing linebacker for them. You know, Jalen Petrie was their one recruit who was left over from uh, the previous uh, coaching staff when, when Matt Rule came in. You know, yep. he is a safety who moved down to play linebacker now. Like, that's just kind of what what's happening and I think that you'll see that a whole lot I think at Texas Tech now just because they want to be athletic too uh you know I mean and and I think that ultimately that's going to make finding those players like Gary Patterson is still arguably you know one of the three best on-field coaches in America Mm -hmm. I mean if not if not better than that honestly but um but you know I mean they've Sort of dominated by finding a, an inefficiency in the market, and I'm curious if that inefficiency, inefficiency, excuse me, is starting to finally get found out by everybody else
1: too.
0: Mm-hmm. So, well, dark days for TCU, man. <laughs> uh, you know, again, it's it's one season, and Max Duggan, I think, has showed enough that he's going to be a decent player, but uh, you know, it's gonna we'll get, it's gonna, Yeah, it's going to get a little dicey. Uh, Look, if we had better teams to, to put ahead of them, I'd move North Texas down from number six, but we just really don't right now. Oh, uh, they kicked a late field goal to win against Middle Tennessee, and and not that that's a horrible game or anything like that. I mean, right. you win the game, but, like, I mean, Ethan Mooney had to kick four field goals <laughs> just to win this game. I mean, ugh. Yeah. And and Middle Tennessee's not good this year. They're not you great. This isn't, the, uh, this isn't the Brent Stockstill teams. like. Yeah. This is, you know, kind of a rebuilding team in a lot of ways, and you needed every second to be able to go out and beat that team.
1: And if you, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the pass that you, they used to set that up, like it was just Mason Fine throwing up something. Yeah, like it was. It wasn't like, you know, they meticulously worked the ball down the field to get in a field goal range, like the like the team we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but like it was. It was just Mason Fine with pressure in his face, kinda of just throwing it up it was like, ah, yeah, I don't know. And and uh I forgot who completed it too, but it was like, oh okay, that was that was it. And then they just they had a chip shot field goal and they won. But um yeah. let me see, I think it was it was Jalen Darden that he threw it to. Um Yeah. But it was like it it was just like, oh okay, they won. All right. Right. <laughs> Their defense wasn't good again. Um but I mean that's that's you know, we've come to expect that. Um and yeah, like you said, if there was a worse if there were better teams right now in that middle tier. I mean, you, you, they might be look we might be looking North Texas in that, you know, where Houston is or something, right? If if this was a better year for the middle teams of the state.
0: Right, right. And and like that next team, Texas Tech, you know, I mean, it's yeah. not like they've been super impressive, but to me they just, you know, have showed a lot more at mm-hmm. this point than what North Texas has showed. And and you know, they went down 20 to nothing against Iowa State. So yeah. And that, you know, that was a pretty disappointing result after what we've seen the past couple of weeks. But they did a pretty good job of fighting in the second half. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, and, and sort of being able to shut uh, Brock Purdy down in the second half. Now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: again, you know, we've talked about, and every coach talks about almost too much, how critical starting fast is. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, you can't spot a borderline top 25 team 20 points you just can't do it I know I know
1: I I mean I mentioned in the midweek about you know Iowa State's not going to light you up but they're just going to do everything really well and that kind of showed in this game like Brock Purdy almost threw for 400 yards it was probably one of his best games of the season which is something he doesn't usually do but Brees Hall had an incredible game on the ground like it was just them it was just Iowa State just chugging along and that's kind of what they've been all season they're one of the best teams at just getting what they want and when you like you said when you spot them that much you're not going to let you, you in the second half, you're not going to have chances for Sherrodrick Thompson to do something, which is basically been one of their keys to success with jet Duffy. A quarterback is having that second option of running the ball with Thompson. And when you're down 20, you can't do that. <laughs> and so he only, he, right. finish, he finishes with 10 carries, um, an effective 10 carries. Um, but you know, he can only have 10 cause they got to throw the ball. Cause they're trying to come back, come from behind.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and look, Brees Hall's gonna be a damn problem. Oh God. You know? <laughs> he's gonna be a damn problem. And you know, I mean if if Iowa State has Brees Hall running like this against, you know, against Baylor and against Iowa early in the year, mm-hmm. they probably don't have two losses on their schedule. So uh, I mean they are they are rolling right now. And um look again, I mean we we'll get to uh, we'll get to Baylor in a second, but I mean you have to be thankful that you got them in week four oh my of the gosh, season. Seriously yeah uh okay moving on to to number four texas a&m um not super impressive against all miss but it's a win they yeah. all count um you know i think that in this game it just it just really goes to reiterate just how bipolar this team is on at home versus on the road so, <laughs> seriously
1: yeah like it, it's it, bad it, it was really bad kellen mon was not good Uh, They ran the ball fine. They ran the ball with Kellen Mond. I'll give them that. Um, Yeah. They actually listened to us, um, which I guess, you know, when he's throwing the ball as poorly and the weather wasn't the best, um, when when you're throwing the ball as poorly as he was, you know, you got to have other options to move the ball. And I don't know. It just felt like a really sloppy game from both teams. Um, Obviously, Ole Miss is in a weird spot with their whole coaching situation, um, they're probably going to make a move at the end of the year. And so it just right. felt like teams, it just felt like they were trying to drag AM down to try and, you know, make a mess of it. And obviously they did and it almost worked. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It,
0: I just, you can't leave this game feeling very good about Texas a m no. Um, you know, you don't feel horrible about them either, but like, right. there's nothing that happened in this game that makes us think any higher of them. And again, same deal. If like, if Tech looked like an eight-win team, we'd move them ahead. You mm-hmm. know, if North Texas looked more like last season, we'd move them ahead. I yeah. mean, this middle class, I think, is really struggling right now in the conference. Um, I, will, I'll go, I will
1: give credit to AM's defense. They played really well. They yeah. had a, they have. I mean, probably what what ended up being the, I guess, the separating score on the scoop right. and score. Um, and you know, they, West, Ole Miss's offense isn't bad. Like it's not great as, as it used to be under even last year under Phil Longo, but. You know, Rich right. Rod's a good offensive mind. They're, they could, they can move the ball. Um, it's probably, I'd say, you know, net plus offense when you compare it to the rest of the country. Um, sure. And you know, they they held him in check. You know, uh, Matt Coral. Matt Coral had a pretty bad game. Uh, they they ran the ball pretty well, but I mean, you know, they just they didn't let Ole Miss do a lot. And you know, they like I said, in the end, they had a a key turnover for a score that proved to be the difference.
0: Well. And not not to talk too much about Ole Miss, but why are they running a two quarterback system? Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I just I mean it must just be to try to keep both guys happy because right. that is just a I mean come on I, I don't know I just hate
1: two quarterback that. systems are terrible. <laughs> I, they're, they're terrible. They're not good. It worked the once. one it worked once yeah. for Florida and they won a national yeah. title because guess what Tim Tebow was the other quarterback. But like <laughs> that was well, that's it. Well, and here's one
0: thing that I'll say, okay, there's one situation where I think a two-quarterback system can work, and that is when each quarterback has a specific role. Yeah. You know, so, like, yeah. like I remember uh, back, I think it was 2014 uh, or maybe 2015, whatever Mason Rudolph's first full season was, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they had Mason Rudolph who was just the quarterback, right? Yeah. And once you got down within like the 15-yard line, they're like, all right, it's J.W. Walsh, you're our short yardage guy. Right, you right. Know, or Blake our... Bell, right? Blake Bell and Landry right. Jones, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, uh, Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight, there you go.
1: Yeah, but yeah, short yardage situations, here you go, get the ball in the end zone. Everybody knows what's coming, but they can't stop it. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Like, if you have a specific package, yeah. then that's that's a way that you can do it. Ole Miss but is like, just
1: running their offense with another quarterback.
0: <laughs> right, right, It's it, which is unacceptable. I mean, and that's what, obviously, TCU was doing for a long time, too, with just switching between Duggan and Dalton, and that is a terrible idea. You know, you just have to pick one. And, like, because yeah. you can't split first-team reps and expect to win games. I mean, you just can't. And I don't know. that. <laughs> I mean, credit <laughs> to A&M's defense for also making them uncomfortable, but sure. that's— just a bad idea. Yeah. It's just a bad idea. All right. uh So the top three schools right now, I think, are just a head and shoulders above everybody else right Easy. now. Right? Like, like I, I think that these three teams are just on another level. Like, I, I don't foresee any of these three teams falling outside of the top three for the rest of the year, yep. unless just something miraculous happens.
1: Well, I mean, um, with one of these teams, it, it doesn't look out of the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Texas almost lost to Kansas in football. Uh, uh, in football, and in football, <laughs> yeah, they. Boy, you mentioned earlier that they needed. Uh, you know, Sam Ellinger legit made incredible plays to keep the ball moving down the field to set up that game-winning field goal. Like mm-hmm. that was that was peak Sam Ellinger, and yeah. like. You know, there was a lot of talk coming into the year of like, okay, you know, Texas is good, but Sam Mellinger is really overrated.
1: Right. Can he throw the ball? Can he do X, Y, and Z when he's not and, asked and you to know run what? the ball?
0: Is Sam Mellinger the only good football player at Texas now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you almost lose to Kansas, you got to start having those conversations. No, but, uh, I mean, no, like, uh, he, it shows that, or er, let me back up a little bit. What was yeah. the one thing we said heading into this game before that, that we just... Uh, In regards to this game, we just said that Texas, all Texas had to do was show that those errors against Oklahoma aren't present against Kansas.
0: And I will say, I will say, uh, I will give Texas's offensive line a little bit of credit. They did a better job this week against the bad team.
1: (laughs) Better job. Uh, I think Sam Olinger still, I think he still got sacked, I think twice, but still when you compare it to what, eight times against, or I guess he he got sacked once. Okay. or Actually, hold on. Three times, but yeah, not, yeah you, when you compare like that three to times nine times nine. <laughs> against Oklahoma. Yeah. That's an improvement, um, and they let Sam Olinger have time to throw, so he was able to almost throw 400 yards. Um, right. But defensively, oh my yeah. goodness! Um, now before I before I rail off against their defense, Brett Deerman, offensive coordinator, uh, first first game offensive coordinator for. Um, for uh Kansas and Sorry,
0: I think you mean uh Dallas Cowboys head coach Brett
1: Deerman. Right, Brett yeah, that's Galana. that's definitely going to happen. Um <laughs> but uh you know, it comes up from an NAIA school, probably should have been the offensive coordinator before, but I don't know if Les Miles felt confident to make that switch. I, I think right they away. were going to bring him along slowly was the point. Right. And so they've decided just, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> Seasons lost. Let's just see what he has. And it turns out my man can job some plays. <laughs> um, Carter Stanley finishes with uh, 310 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Puka Williams was on fire, nearly rushing for right. 200 yards, two touchdowns, almost averaging a first down a carry. Um, Carter Stanley even had some had a run in him. Um, man, this Kansas offense looked like something different. And now, Shahan, talk about the defense. Talk about t- t- Texas defense because I just got finished bragging about Brett Deerman probably being a really good coordinator well
0: okay here's the thing is that we knew that texas secondary was going to be an issue yep. and i think that that showed itself a little bit against uh against carter stanley but also there was just a whole lot of bad play i mean it yeah. wasn't even just injuries it was, it, was, tackles. it was just it was like
1: puka williams, right. puka williams is not a big guy and right. he was running through arm tackles like it was nothing
0: okay i i missed who it was who did puka williams throw off of his shoulder oh that was
1: brandon jones oh god that was brandon Jones. oh god i tweeted that They're I said, top I said, safety yeah right now. i tweeted oh, i tweeted god. that uh puka williams looked at brandon jones and said weight room <laughs> like puka williams and brandon, is under 200 pounds he's 190 oh my god
0: he's and brandon jones is a big dude yeah right like like and, and and i don't know i mean that's the thing is like I think you could make some excuses for the secondary. Yeah. Not a lot of excuses, I don't think. I mean, I really don't think even at this point that they should be making a lot of excuses. But, mm-hmm. like, that that run defense, I, I just... That's not... That was bad.
1: Yeah. Like, that I, I just... I can't... I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It was, re- it was so bad. Um, There... I mean, there's going to be just some discussion about... And I don't think it's going to happen. People are like, oh, if they lose to Kansas, someone's got to get fired. It's like... I don't think I mean that's not you're not that's not happening. Like, you know, no matter no. what, the staff is the staff is safe. Like, they're not firing Todd Orlando, they're not firing I don't know. I mean, maybe some underneath position coach, but I just I don't I just don't see it happening, right? We right. knew this defense was going to struggle with how many new faces were on here. I don't I mean, we stressed it, but I don't think a common knowledge kind of put together how much this defense was going to change this year. Um, right. But I mean, you could still, you should still be able to see something, right? You should still be able to see right. some semblance of improvement. I think Brian Davis had it. Um, let's see, he had a stat. Da, 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 da. Uh, Texas, Kansas finishes with five hundred sixty-nine total yards. Texas still on pace to have the worst defense statistically in school <laughs> history. Right. Like, th- yes, this is a rebuilding year, but this is also this shouldn't be the worst defense statistically in school history.
0: Right. Well, and he- here's the one thing that I'll say, and this is, I, I don't even know whether it's positive or negative. This is just a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Orlando's defense centers on being able to play man-on-man cornerback coverage. Yeah. And yeah. right now, especially with some of the injuries that they've had and mm-hmm. some of the inconsistent play from their underclassmen, which, which by the way, I mean, I, I must clarify. uh Every cornerback who's coming in... Well, first of all, is almost all of them are from that 2018 recruiting class, which right. I think there's a pretty good argument is the best defensive back recruiting class of all time. Yeah. Sure. Like, no, that, I think that, that, that there's a very lying. good argument. Like, every single kid coming onto that field was a top 100 recruit, mm-hmm. right? At, at defensive back. he's on scrubs. Right. And granted, cornerback is the position probably most on the field. We've talked about this before, where experience matters. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, I don't know. Again, if, if they can't man up wide receivers, which it sure looks like they can't, mm-hmm. even against Kansas, I mean, again, they, remember, they still have to play, uh, I mean, we saw last week against CeeDee Lamb, they still have to play Denzel Mims and Tyquan Thornton, they <sighs> still have to play, gosh, who else is left on that schedule? Um, you know, they still have to play Jalen Rager, yeah, like, God, yeah. like, they still have so many good players left to play, and there's just a reality, and and... Things will be a little better, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in the secondary when Caden Stearns comes back, which oh, should be sure. soon.
1: But it's like they shouldn't um, – not everything should be relying on Caden Stearns. Like, last year, Caden Stearns was hurt. And safety help in general. Yeah. Last year, Caden Stearns was hurt, but you still had Chris Boyd. You know, you knew, right. you knew that you didn't have to worry about things with Chris Boyd there. And this year, it's like – I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're really looking yeah. – it's really looking shaky, and, like, you wonder – I mean Todd Orlando's his whole system is on like you mentioned man coverage right man coverage on the outside. right right, right. you wonder how much he has to look at that this offseason. because he has an entire season of evidence that I don't think that there's a guy in this roster right now that that he should feel confident in as developing into a lock, into a lockdown corner. Well, I think that I, I do
0: think that they'll consider mixing in a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, man coverage. Great, he has he has oh, done, I mean, uh, zone, zone he has
1: and he has done that this year a little, a little bit. Right. Right. Definitely more than years
0: past. Right. But I I do think that they'll look at running some more zone. I do also think that they will, one, I mean, try and evaluate from the season and see how much of it was just an experience versus how much was just like, we can't do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, I think that they will definitely try to look at bringing in some corners. Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean... Again, these is, are guys which, who Which be- is I was about to say. Which is wild yeah. to think about with this recruiting class. Like we need yeah. corner help. We need defensive back help. You know. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and and
0: look. I mean, the reality is too. Is like. Brandon Jones has probably uh, week in a week out been the best player on this defense, and he's graduating. You yeah. know, And like, Caden Stearns will step into that role because Caden Stearns is freaking awesome, and probably will be an All American as soon as he can have a healthy season. But yeah,
1: and and I will it, say like we're, what we're seeing this year from B.J. Foster, like he's pr- he's yeah. prone to error, he's prone to yeah, boneheaded but he, he's mistakes. A legit safety. He's a legit safety, but yeah, like you. But I'm saying like you know Brandon Jones, at least you know you have a level head back there. Like B.J. Right. F- B.J. Foster, like it's look he's, he's He's prone to a mistake a game, it feels like. Right.
0: And, and I will say, I mean, BJ Foster, I think, fits really well at that joker-nickel position. You yeah, know, I mean, true, instead true. of having to be, like, a pure safety. And the one other thing that I will say, uh, to, to kind of, you know, not put it all on just that, uh, just the secondary, mm-hmm. is that Texas has Keandre Coburn, who is fantastic in the middle of the defensive line,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and not their much else. ends... Are a non-factor. They
1: can. I mean, their their front seven is their front seven's a problem. Like you know, after yeah. after you get past Coburn and Osai, um, you know, uh, I, you're looking. you I mean, I don't know. Like you shouldn't be struggling this much with. uh I mean, granted, Puka Williams is really good and he's really talented, and it, Kansas might have a new offense that's just turns out to be good now. But they haven't I, yeah, stopped. I mean, them, I, they have really they are stopped run all season, right. I mean, that's the thing. I think that their offense is
0: clearly good, yeah. right? Like, I, I think that they can clearly put up points, but to put up 48 points, because here's the thing too, right, is, like, I think that it's fair to say that Texas had no film on Brett Deerman, you know, and sure. so they didn't know what to expect. Sure. Uh, the flip side of that is that Kansas had never run this in a football game before. <laughs> right. Right? You know, like, I just, and at a certain point, like, that's got to hurt you when you're going against a team that's supposed to be top 15. And I mean, not, I don't want to like talk too bad or anything about Texas, but what argument do they have yeah. for being ranked? Okay. You know, everything that we said about Texas A&M and about how they were just in because of good losses mm-hmm. is starting to become true of Texas too.
1: That's true. That's true. Now I will say, um, I know we kind of railed against our secondary. DeMarvin Overshawn had a great game. Oh he, was great. Um, he, he he might be that guy because he's he's big body, he's able to I think he showed flashes of being able to lock down. Um so I didn't want to go through the whole time talking about them without mentioning that he did show like sure. okay, he is one of these blue chip guys I can develop, you know, if he could sure. if he could take that next step next year, you know, that could be the guy that turns into their lockdown uh cornerback. So he, he played really well. Um, you know, he was able to match up really well against every assignment he had.
0: Well, and uh, the one thing that I'll say, too, is uh, a very sad stat. Um, Texas had one sack on the day, and it was from DeMarvian Oversham. So, <laughs> so that's uh, that's uh, what we're working with. And, and again, you know, it, it's all related, too. That's yep. the other thing is that we, we do have to talk about is, like, when you can't get pressure on the quarterback, He's just I don't care there. how good your corners are. Yep. Right. Like, you, you can have, you know, you can have Jalen Ramsey back there. And mm-hmm. if you're making him defend for 20 seconds... Like, I mean, come on. What, what, what the hell is he supposed to do? At a certain point, like, receivers are going to beat corners. That's just the thing that's going to happen. You have to get to the quarterback. That's just part of playing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, all right. That's that's, that's enough about Tex. I <laughs> I mean, again, they are When you clearly... almost lose to Kansas,
1: you deserve your own yeah. little section of the podcast. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and and really, the only reason that I really want to get past this, too, is because— we really need okay. So so I put Baylor at number two and SMU at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I again, and I I do want to clarify that like I'm not saying that SMU per se would beat Baylor in, uh, on a neutral field. I'm right. just saying that like right now, one SMU is playing the best in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, you know, this is adjusted to a certain amount for for competition and for yep. uh, for you know standing and pound per pound whatever. Um, and and for for me right now, and let's talk about SMU first. Mm-hmm. SMU is the favorite to make a New Year's Six Bowl from the group of five. Yeah. And I don't know how you can argue otherwise, because, you know, you look at at Temple going on the road against Memphis and beating them 30-28, and there were some controversial calls. I mean, you can argue that Memphis should have, you know, should have won that game, Mm -hmm. but... It, regardless, it was a close game at home against Memphis, a team that I think we thought, you know, I know that I picked them to, mm-hmm. win, uh, to win the AC, go undefeated, make the New Year's Six. And SMU made Temple on both sides of the ball look like, you know, a, a Sunbelt team. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, they made them look like they were not the same caliber of team. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I think we look back and like, I think every team goes through a season where, and every undefeated team, rather, goes through a season and has a game where just they come out flat, they overlook their opponent, things just don't go right, they get some bad breaks and, mm-hmm. and you know...
1: We mentioned the midweek and, game the na- uh, na- this coming week against Houston on ESPN.
0: Well, it, well and the thing is, is, I think SMU had that game against Tulsa. You know, SMU had that game where they were the worst team on that day and they managed to win. Mm -hmm. And and look, I mean, when they have put their best foot forward, they have dominated every team that they've played. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that includes TCU. It was a three point game. They dominated that game. You know, Arkansas stayed on the road after Shane Bouchel got his legs under him after the first quarter. they, Mm -hmm. They were like three touchdowns better, you know, like. They have dominated virtually everybody that they've played this season. Yeah. And uh, other than, uh, again, the the one kind of slip up against Tulsa, and right. they won the football game.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the the thing that impressed me most about this game was this was the... They basically broke out the offense we thought they would be running the whole time with Shane Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> um he came out i mean he he's played really well all season obviously it looked like a hand-in-glove fit um from the get-go but we were like okay when's the the sunny Dyke same by game gonna happen right where he just throws 40 touchdown passes in a game and he throws for 400 yards well guess what happened against temple (laughs) he looked incredible he was throwing touchdowns for fun basically at one point um but yeah, like we were waiting for that air raid, Jared Goff, you know, Webb style teams that we've seen that we saw at Cal. Those that, that offense. And they haven't had to use it because their running game's been so well been been so effective. And, you know, he had, they haven't need the hey Shane Bichelle, show off game. Um and they, they had it against Temple and receivers were just running open. Shane Bichelle was throwing receivers open. It was it was awesome. And this was the this was the Sunny Dykes offense that we've been wanting to see. Um, and Red Lashley called a great game. Um, yeah, this, this was fun. And I'm glad we got to see it at least once a season because I was like, I mean, cool, yeah, balanced offense, this is great. But I do want to see Shane Bichelle rack it up one game. And he did yeah. it against a really good Temple team.
0: Right. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, one of the guys who – kept getting his, his number called on that t- uh, Temple defense was Harrison Hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of joked about him that, you know, he's a Bailey cornerback last year, but he was conference player of the week uh, like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, an, uh, he was one of their, like, honored players last week. Like, he's a good cornerback. He's yeah. one of the best in the American Athletic Conference. And when they put Reggie Robertson on him, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
1: <laughs> it was, yeah, it was I, toast.
0: I, I... I and and you know what? All all the credit in the world to, to Shane Bouchel. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I will say is that I think that Shane Bouchel was arguably the second best player on that field last night because Reggie Robertson oh, for was sure. unguardable.
1: Oh, no, he was incredible. He was, I mean, like, he <laughs> there was so much space every time um, he had the ball. I felt like, oh, there's just 10 yards of no one there in front of him. And so, I mean, he had... A thirty-three yard touchdown. He had a seventy-five yard touchdown. He had a sixty-yard touchdown. Like yep. he was just yep. running for free, and it, it was it was a lot of fun to watch because yeah. like I said, that that you know, granted some of this is Rhett Lashley bringing in a sense of balance, but Sonny Dykes is known for verticality and vertical passing and yeah. like downfield threats, and that's was that was so evident in this game. Yeah, and you look at
0: the numbers. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, SMU rushed the ball all right. Um, You know, Xavier Jones was pretty good. It wasn't one of his better games for sure, but like he did a good job of keeping the ball moving and keeping the offense moving and making Temple adjust to that. And it Mm -hmm. seemed like Temple wanted to take away the run too, Mm -hmm. which is a a smart thing to do against this team because I think that, you know, I mean, you want to test Buschel. You want to make him make mistakes, but uh, they just weren't able to do it. And the other thing that I look at is, like, the score was 45-21. Mm-hmm. And, like, watching the game, it didn't feel that close. And when you look at the yardage, you understand why. Uh, SMU had 655 yards of offense against one of the best defensive teams in the American. Mm -hmm. And Temple had 273 yards. (laughs) So, that's what we were working with. You know, I mean, that's the thing is that we'll talk a lot about how good SMU's offense is, but... Uh, but their defense is incredible. I mm-hmm. mean, their defense is really, really good. It's super disruptive. It causes a lot of issues for teams. I mean, I think that Patrick Nelson should be in contention, maybe even for conference player, the like defense player of the year, because mm-hmm. he's been that good for them. Um, you know, and and the one funny thing that mm-hmm. I'll mention is, uh, so obviously Temple's head coach is Rod Carey, the former Northern Illinois coach. Well, SMU's defensive coordinator also came from Northern Illinois, Kevin Kane. You know, so maybe maybe he understood a little about what Rod Carey was going to do on both sides of the ball. Who knows? But mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, the way that SMU just took it to them. I mean, that is this was to me SMU's signature win so far, easily. And and, uh, and you know, I, I'm curious how many people watched it. I mean, obviously, I was I was there. I was fully invested in. It. I I am curious how many people exactly watched it. And sure. that's the one thing too where like. On Thursday, SMU goes to Houston.
1: That's, uh, that's, I called that last week. This is going to be their showout game. They're going to play against Rice. a banged up, not banged up, but like a downtrodden Houston team on national right. television on a Thursday. Let me see what the NFL Thursday game is, because they might be going against a pretty bad matchup. Let me well,
0: see. the only thing would be... It's Broncos and Chiefs. It's
1: Bronco. Oh, that's true. Uh, I'll say for the football, for the football yeah, fans. Th- it's Broncos th- and yep. Chiefs without Pat Mahomes. Like nah. people are going to be people are going to be tuning in. They're going to probably be looking for other options, right. and right. you have yeah. Actually, no, that was last. Uh, that yeah, was last yeah week. I was Sorry. about to say, wasn't that let last week? <laughs> uh,
0: Let's like, let see what this week <laughs> da, 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 da.
1: Anyway, keep vamping.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I mean. SMU can have a just crazy breakout moment where they absolutely beat the crap out of Houston next week. It's Washington you know, to... Minnesota.
1: Come on now. That's still not good. Uh, come
0: on. <laughs> if, you, if you watch that game over this SMU game, then just don't listen to this podcast. Right. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I mean, you have a problem. Watch this is SMU not, potentially this... throw 50. <laughs> right. So SMU, again. Uh, and, and actually, you know, I mentioned that these are the top three teams Right at this moment, Esme and Baylor are ahead above Texas as well. And, yeah. um, you know, so with Baylor, I had this game as a scheduled loss, right? Mm-hmm. I had them. I did too. Just, just because, you know, an emotional win over Texas Tech mm-hmm. uh, at the last second and a couple of overtimes. Um, you know, all the hubbub around the missed call, on, you know, to end the game, all that sort of stuff, whatever. Um, you know, I thought that maybe it would be a little bit distracted. Uh, and on the other end, Oklahoma State really had a week to, to gather itself after the loss to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had a bye week to prepare. I thought that maybe Tyler Wallace would be able to cause some issues. I thought that, you know, Clay Johnston being out at middle linebacker, I thought that maybe that would cause some issues. Like, just you thought that maybe Charlie Brewer would struggle in that road environment because, I mean, you you look at what he did last week and you look at what he did last year against West Virginia. Like, you just thought that everything seemed to to come up that direction, right? Yeah. And the game was closer than the final score, but holy crap, Baylor. (laughs) Holy crap. I mean, they are serious this year because – you know, I mentioned it on Twitter. This is the biggest win by Baylor in Stillwater ever mm-hmm. in the, in their history. Like, they have, and they've only won here once since 1939 before that, and it was a 10-point win uh, back when, you know, Baylor was rolling in 2015. Like, they have struggled hardcore in this place, and they went out there and were the better team all day long.
1: Easily. They made Spencer Sanders really uncomfortable. Um, Chuba Hubbard got what he wanted, but again, that's what happens when you're probably the best running back in the conference um uh tylan wallace i mean they i mean they held him relatively in check as much as you can hold Tylen yeah. wallace in check um it was mostly mostly no, I mean, came he, at the, he got open a little bit but he, but he it was, didn't it break mostly, away very much right and it was mostly at the expense of disrupting spencer sanders so he couldn't he'd really right. feel comfortable looking for Tylen wallace or have comfortable he didn't have time to throw and you know i think they had a, a scoop and score of their own against him um yep and like yeah, man, this this is one one impressive win, because this, this Oklahoma State team seemed like the type of team that they're going to get, you know, I think, um, uh, I was listening to the broadcast for Texas and Kansas, and one of them mentioned Kansas is going to get, quote-unquote, get someone this year. Oklahoma State's yeah. typically the team that gets someone every year. Right. And because, Especially in Stillwater. Especially in Stillwater, especially with their offense. Like, there's like, okay, they're going to have the game where they hang 40, and one team just couldn't keep up. And... They did, Baylor absolutely neutralized that offense. Um, they're like, sure, yeah, go with Chuba Hubbard. That's fine. You're not going to get anything else. And yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was impressive.
0: Yeah, and and the one thing that I'll say is that Baylor's offensive line I think is still a little bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the one good thing that you say though is that. They have, a whatever, 15 days off or whatever before they have to play a Thursday game against uh, against West Virginia, a mm-hmm. team that's not very good at home on Thursday, on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, should be a pretty easy win. Um, then they go to TCU, which maybe can take advantage of that, but their pass rush has been terrible mm-hmm. so far this season. And then, then you get Oklahoma and Texas. And yep. so you hope by... November sixteenth. That's how long you have to to fix things, right? You have until right. November sixteenth, um, and and at that point, they're starting left tackle Connor Galvin will probably be back. Uh, you know, but but even if he's not, you know, you think that maybe by that point you can start to fix things and start to kind of get guys a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I'll tell you what, <laughs> after sort of what we talked about. Last week, um, and on last week's podcast, I think that Charlie Brewer went out and had a really good game.
1: Oh, for sure, easily he was efficient. He he didn't. He wasn't careless like he was a week ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was definitely the response that I, I was hoping to see. And I mean, again, granted, Oklahoma State's defense not great, but I mean, you know, you, you still expect him to take advantage of that, and he did. Right, and.
0: You know, a lot of his yardage came on some big plays, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I think that he did a good job all day long of, you know, sort of opening up those opportunities for his players. Yeah. Like, I, I think that, yes, you know, Josh Fleeks broke away, uh, you know, obviously, J. Michael Hasey broke away, Tyquan Thornton you know, broke away, but, but, but he had like, nice they were set up. <laughs> yeah. They were set up by by how well Charlie Brewer was throwing the football, too. For sure. So... All right, that pretty much does it to so run through it again. Number 12, Rice. Number 11, UTEP. Number 10, UTSA. Number 9, Texas State. Number 8, Houston. Number 7, TCU. Number 6, North Texas. Number 5, Texas Tech. Number 4, Texas A&M. Number 3, Texas. Number 2, Baylor. And the number 1, SMU Mustangs. Uh, we'll, I guess, get to see what the AP thinks about this in, in a couple of hours. You know, I'm curious, kind of, do you think that Texas gets punished for this? I mean, they should, right? <laughs>
1: I gotta look at the poll. Um, let me see. Who? Because like, I'm I, trying to. I mean, don't be... they have to. In order for them to drop, somebody has to jump ahead, right? And so, right. I'm just.
0: Well, I, I think that Baylor and SMU should clearly jump ahead
1: of them. Let me see where are they at. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Michigan lost. Um, yeah. Did Arizona State lose? They
0: got killed. Okay,
1: so yeah, I mean, I could see them dropping to 17. If they yeah. just. If uh, they, Boise if State they... lost, though, too. Oh, it's true. So I mean, yeah, I can see, I can see, them, I can see, them drop. I can see them dropping like seventeen ish. Um, yeah, well, if you, if well, you, if so, you just take Baylor, literally just take SMU and Baylor and move them ahead.
0: <laughs> well, well, okay. You take SMU and Baylor move them ahead. You take Boise State, move them behind. I, uh, Minnesota also won, you yeah. know. So I think that they should get consideration too to move ahead of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, after that, obviously, gets a little dicey. I mean, sure. then you got to start. Asking whether you know how much we believe in certain group Cincinnati of Cincinnati
1: and you know yeah I mean I think that Cincy's really good they I might be they, but I mean it's also I don't know, I don't know it's, it's we'll see um, I think I mean in the end they did win so like it is it is still like do you want to dock them five spots for winning you know I mean like it wasn't a good win but like I think the AP... Whoever votes in the AP, you know they they still look at it and it's like eh, it's a W. It happens, whatever, and they might knock them two spots, but I think five might be a little too much.
0: Yeah, no, no, I get that. I just more mean in terms of that all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's the same thing that we talked about with A&M a and few weeks ago, where it's like mm-hmm. Texas is ranked top twenty in the poll because. They lost close, you yeah. know, to, to LSU, and they didn't lose close to Oklahoma, honestly. Yeah, that's right. And it, and so, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's less that I think that like they should be docked per se from where they are, and it's more that I think that they probably didn't deserve to be where they were in the first place. That's right. And you know, I. But you know, it's the AP poll. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually mean anything. But uh, when when does the playoff ranking start coming out? Oh, that's a good is, question. Is it this
1: week? Probably soon, right? It's got to be soon. I feel like it's. I feel like week eight sounds about right. Yeah, I think uh, that's about right. Ba, 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 ba. College football playoff. I don't know. There's no date. I feel like it should, there should be a date on ESPN or something.
0: Yeah, and usually they do just so many of the, uh Okay, okay. They get. They won't debut until after week ten.
1: Oh man. Okay. A long Honestly, though, no, 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 I like it's Honestly, though. No, that it's but...
0: usually been. No, no, it's usually been it's usually been like even before now. Like okay. it's usually been very early. Uh gotcha. I mean yeah, I I do, I do like
1: them getting as much evidence as they can because I mean there's no right. reason there's no reason to
0: have them after week 6. Um I I will uh say one thing to uh, to augment your argument. Okay. Number 1 Mississippi State. So
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that's pretty much do it for us. Uh, thanks to, to everybody for listening. As always, uh, if you're not a subscriber, please text slash subscribe. It really helps us out. Uh, it helps us, you know, continue to do great content um again if you haven't as yet go to texasbasketball.com and you can actually pre-order the new 2019-20 winter preview magazine it's going to be a lot of fun uh again i had the cover story on baylor for lauren cox but we've also got a feature on buzz williams in there if you're a texas a&m fan uh you know we got previews of God, you said it's close to 3,000 high schools, right?
1: Yeah, it's somewhere around 3,000.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I, uh, uh, I'm i glad I just have to write some features, man. It's, <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> I do not want to have to be tracking down 3,000 high school previews, but uh, but Ish does a fantastic job with the magazine. Make sure and pick it up. Uh, and, again, you can order it online at textbasketball.com. Um, again, if you're not, textfootballcom slash subscribe. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Tex Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Thanks again to our friends at North Texas Honda Dealers. You know, my dad actually mentioned to me that, uh, that it might be time to look at trading in my car. So maybe I'll have to <laughs> go, make, go make a trip up there. there I mean, feel. I do drive a lot, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so it might, it might be time. It might be time. Uh, for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Jaraja. Thanks as always. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.